0: Our City Radio. In the context of International Women's Day, I have a guest with me in the studio, uh, Amber Schultz from Passerelle. Is here. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Tom.
0: Happy International Women's Day.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Um, could you could we start off first by introdu- uh, or reminding our listeners um, what the, about the work that you do with Passerelle?
1: So Passerelle is an association working in Luxembourg with uh, asyl- asylum seekers and refugees. Um, we welcome them in our offices and make sure they are informed about their rights, uh, about the procedure, about asylum. And more specifically, specifically, we have a project now, which is called LILO. Um, we work with uh, rise and Duri, And uh, this project focuses more on uh, human rights law for women and the Istanbul Convention more particularly.
0: And we've invited you in today, um, in the context of International Women's Day, to talk about the Istanbul Convention. Uh, What exactly is the Istanbul Convention?
1: So the Istanbul Convention is the Convention on Preventing and Combating Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence. Um, It's a convention of the Council of Europe, which was uh, adopted in 2011 uh, and opened for signature in uh, 2014. So for a long time, violence against women, gender-based violence and domestic violence was uh, a private matter. Then it became a bit more, um, it it was covered by criminal law. And what this convention does, um, and it's very modern in this way, is that it recognizes equality um, between men and women, that this equality is needed to prevent gender-based violence Uh, It also recognized that in history there was and there still is unequal power between uh, men and women. And this is the reason for which um, there is domination by men over women and discrimination against women. Um, This convention recognizes also that women, therefore, are more uh, exposed to gender based violence and to domestic violence. And basically, what this convention does is categorizes uh, gender-based violence, violence against women, as a human rights violation. Uh, It's the first uh, binding legal tool regarding gender-based violence. And in this, it's a very modern legal tool.
0: Um, So which countries have signed this convention?
1: Um, So um, from the Council of Europe, there's uh, 34 countries out of 46 that... um, Ratified the, the convention. Uh, there are still countries uh, within the EU who didn't sign it. Um, I'm thinking of Hungary, Bulgaria, Czech Republic, for instance. Um, Poland is actually thinking of getting out of the Istanbul Convention. So this is quite, uh, let's say, alarming. Mm and um there is a pending decision uh, to see if the EU as a as a union can actually ratify the convention which would be uh which would make it uh, a more effective legal tool to get uh, to apply in in member states of the EU
0: okay so how does this work in practice how does this protect women from from violence
1: so the convention covers a lot of uh, thematics um, there are three main pillars. Uh, there's a pillar about prevention, about uh, gender-based violence. So um, it covers training. It also uh, promotes the fact that men and boys should be included in uh, preventing gender-based violence. Um, there's a pillar about protection. So focusing more uh, on shelters for women who have been victims of gender-based violence. And. Um, Promotes information about the rights of the people uh, and there's a more, uh, let's say, sanction uh, sanction based uh, pillar which focus more on prosecution. So sanctions regarding uh, gender based violation um, to protect the, the victim and sanction the author um, This convention also is very important because it's uh, it promotes a coordinated approach uh, regarding uh, discrimination against women and uh, violence against women. So it should not uh, be one measure in one particular domain, but it's the work of uh, all governmental and institution who are uh, who are um, actors in this uh, in this domain and uh, so for example um there should be more data collection regarding all aspects of gender based violence um and yes it's a very again modern i 'm going to insist on this because uh, it includes all parts of political and also for instance there's a part about how media should also include a gender based approach within their their functioning so yes it's very it's very um, uh it's very it's a global approach there's one uh chapter who focuses more on asylum and migration issues um because women in migration are considered to be a particularly um uh, vulnerable maybe exactly vulnerable, vulnerable. public uh to gender based violence so the the convention provides us with the tools for this so for instance um, a woman who is uh, in a procedure for domestic violence uh, should uh, be able to get access to to a residence permit but also regarding uh, asylum and like asylum and refugee status more uh, more precisely it uh, it says that they should uh, include a gender-based, uh, like a sensitive approach and interpretation uh, when they look into a request by an asylum seeker when she's uh, uh, explaining that the reason for persecution in her own country is uh, gender-based violence. So, for instance, uh, female genital mutilation or forced marriage uh, honor crimes. Um it's also um saying that um it should be gender based violence should be considered as a form of persecution so authorities should have this gender based um, approach while uh, looking in asylum applications and
0: is that do we see that in practice are women that are fleeing um domestic violence and persecution um Just for being female, are they protected um, upon their arrival in in countries when they seek asylum or are there still some some problems?
1: Um, So from our perspective, like we receive a lot of women um, and our public is uh, mainly refugee women or asylum seekers or uh, women that have been um, going through the asylum procedure already and that... uh, are refused so by the administration and by courts. So there is um, there is a, let's say an issue in considering the Istanbul Convention. So Luxembourg, uh, maybe we can come back on this later about what Luxembourg actually did mm-hmm. after after signing this uh, this convention, but. Uh, yes, we see every day. Like we receive women, and we have to explain to them why they have been refused for asylum, and we read decisions that were quite um, shocking uh, in the way that they were written. Um, for instance, uh, there was a decision when a woman has been from a woman, let's say um, from Sudan, has been forced uh, to get married to someone. Uh, by the family mainly, and um, ministry or the administrative decision said this is uh, a private matter, a family matter, so it doesn't enter the five criteria to become a refugee. And this is what the, the Istanbul Convention say exactly the opposite. Um, we had also uh, we could read after after 2018 still a decision saying that um, a woman fleeing from domestic violence uh, in the country of origin uh, it was also a private matter it was not because uh, because of gender discrimination or because it didn't recognize that this domestic violence uh, was more affecting women but it, they said it was more because uh, the person was uh, bad himself but not because uh, there was a problem in gender equality so it didn't take into account the istanbul convention as it should so it's a, it's a work that we need to 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 keep on doing to mm. raise awareness on how the istanbul protection can protect uh, women uh, fleeing from persecution but has been stuff uh, maybe this is something you wanted to cover there has been stuff uh, done in Luxembourg
0: yeah are there I mean are there systems in place to make sure that countries are implementing the um, the conditions of the convention properly and how does how does Luxembourg um, kind of perform if that's if that is the case
1: so um the the Istanbul Convention was ratified by Luxembourg in 2018 um it like it um um there was some changes after this um for example uh, from there was a mobilization from uh, institutions uh, campaigns from the mega the ministry of equality between men and women for example uh, regarding female genital mutilation or luxembourg participated also in studies uh, on the european level there was also quite a bit of legal changes, um, first of all, in criminal law. So now, uh, gender uh, discrimination is considered as uh, discrimination. So this is now part of the criminal court, code, sorry. Um, mutilation, female genital mutilation became um, a criminal offense. Um, there is a, like um, reinforcement in the measures regarding domestic violence. So, there is the procedure of expulsion of an author of domestic violence uh, a ban on return to the house. so there was some legal changes um, so first in the criminal in criminal matters but also in immigration so in the law of two thousand and eight um, there is uh, so there is a titre de séjour called um, vie privé and um what the law now says is that uh, a woman can ask for this status uh, based on the fact that she has been victim of domestic violence so either because um it's required for the criminal proceeding proceeding sorry the the inquiry or because of her personal situation so security health uh, family or situation in the country of origin um we saw that um, in decision, for example, from the family judge uh, regarding um, regarding uh, gender-based uh, issues, the Istanbul Convention was directly quoted. But in general, uh, we, especially in the asylum and migration uh, um, topics, there is a lack of use of this tool uh, by practitioner and by professional who work with asylum seekers and refugees. Um, and sometimes, uh, and not sometimes, a lot of times, there's also a lack of uh, awareness by right holders themselves um, that they don't necessarily know that this convention exists and that it actually um Propose a definition about all the the types of gender-based violence that uh, that need to be uh, criminalized and taken into account in the asylum claims. Um, there is so the the titre de séjour, the residence permit that I mentioned before, uh, vie privée. Um, we don't actually have numbers about how many have been issued in uh, in Luxembourg. Uh, So it's a bit hard to understand how it is applied uh, in in practice. Mm -hmm. Um, There is actually, um, so the Istanbul Convention came with a monitoring, uh, let's say monitoring um, instrument. instrument. So it's called Grevio. So Grevio is the group of experts uh, on action uh, to prevent violence against women. And uh, they focused on Luxembourg. So, Luxembourg had to submit a report which was uh, submitted in March uh, last year and there you can see all the measures that has been uh, done by Luxembourg the Greview experts came to Luxembourg in uh, when was it uh, autumn uh, of last year and um, they could talk with the authorities they could talk with the um, NGOs and the people working on the field um And the reports from Grevio and possible recommendation to how it should be implemented uh, in Luxembourg is going to come, I think, this year, in 2023. So, yes, that's uh, more or less about how how it is implemented in Luxembourg. But it's quite a recent, Mm -hmm. still legal tool that needs to really uh, get known by Mm -hmm. the people.
0: So there have been some improvements and some changes since Luxembourg signed the convention to implement um, the conditions of the Istanbul Convention. But as you mentioned before, there are still cases where uh, that the women seeking asylum in Luxembourg are being failed by the system. What needs to improve to ensure the protection of every woman in Luxembourg under the Istanbul Convention?
1: Um, I think... Uh, oops, sorry. I think uh, the... Mm, the fact that we read like the decision that we read with the people that we also uh, read with the people. So to explain to them why they have been denied and what they can do in order to, to seek protection. um, It's uh, I think uh, there's a lot of work doing in the awareness raising. So, as I mentioned before, um, to professionals. So I think it's important that also lawyers who work with the uh, asylum seekers and refugees with the procedure of international protection, um, get to know about, um, about uh, the Istanbul Convention. Also, we could read, um, because I can give you one example uh, that we found shocking, like, um, there was a woman explaining to the ministry that she has been victim of uh, female genital mutilation. And this is, as I mentioned before, criminalized in now in Luxembourg, but it still happened in a lot of countries where the, the women come from. And this could be a reason why she could get asylum. Of, of course, there's other criteria that she has to fulfill, but at least it should be considered while uh, looking into her asylum claim. And what we read the, um, is basically you have different stage of mutilation and she had gone through the last one. So it was um, the, the answer of the ministry said basically that because she had uh, been victim of the the kind of the worst case, then uh, nothing more could happen to her so she could go back to the country of origin. And this is actually not true Mm. because, of course, when you get to a country like Luxembourg, you get medical support and reparation. And if you go back to your country, there's a chance it might happen to you again because they see that you have been you have had some medical procedure in Luxembourg. Mm. So That's so shocking. this is showing a lack of knowledge about what's actually happening. And so I think um uh, a huge part of this, it's like raise awareness about what it is, what are uh, gender-based violence and the, the Istanbul Convention actually give a definition about all this. Um Like, get uh, the professional trained, and also what's important, and this is very important in order for the right holders themselves to know about the Istanbul Convention and what are the tools for them to get protection. It's to create a safe space for them so they can, because those kind of issues, it's really hard to explain, first of all, to an administration or to a lawyer or to even association. It needs, uh, we need like a safe environment for them to be able to express what happened to them in the country of origin. So there's also a need to create a safe space where we could also provide them with the the, the tools and explain to them that this is a ground for international protection. Uh, yes, um, the, the the Istanbul Convention it's a it's a very modern modern tool when uh, considering women's rights mm-hmm. and. Um, it wants to, like, prohibit, prohibit and prevent gender-based violence. And this is why we, this is actually all this reason why we launched this uh, Lilo project in order to focus on right holders themselves, women, like migrant women and ch- children, because children are also victims of gender-based mm. violence and, um, on professionals. So to give trainings about what it is. Uh, how it can be used by different type of professionals. Yeah, Yeah,
0: Uh, it's a hugely important um, tool, as you said, but obviously there's still some work to be done surrounding awareness and so that everybody knows uh, their rights and that the right systems are in place. Uh, We've run out of time, we need to go to the news, but Amber, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the Istanbul Convention and thank you for the very important work that you do with Passerelle.
1: Thank you very much. (coughs) Many cultures,
0: many languages, but one place. Radio Ara, the radio for all voices.
1: Find us at 102.9, 105.2, and
0: 87.8 FM.